Good evening, good afternoon. So it was probably 1997. I was around 40 years old. And my kids, I have two daughters, were probably somewhere 10 and 8, 12 and 10. I can't remember exactly the age. But they were involved in this church program. And this church program would have an annual um, pool party at Olinger Pool, if any of you have been over to Olinger by North Salem. And I hated it. Um, and yet my lovely wife, Leanne, and my daughters, by the way, if you don't know, Kristen Ingle King is my daughter, and I have another daughter, Becca, who lives uh, down in the Phoenix area. Um, Leanne would not go to the pool parties, and the kids always wanted me to go with them because I was kind of like the fun dad, you know, and I would throw them around in the water, and they would just really love this. But at the age of 40, I was becoming pretty self-conscious about this. Because <laughs> um, unbeknownst to many of you, when I was your age and your age and some of you younger men in here, I was actually, I actually had some stuff. I mean, I was, you know, I don't want to brag, but I had something going on, wasn't afraid to go in a pool. And, uh, but at, at 40-ish, <clears throat> and the other thing that compounded the problem was I was, uh, I was the worship leader at the church that we were attending at the time. And so in, in my mind, I was spiritualizing. I thought, if people saw me, in a swimsuit, they'd never be able to worship the same. <laughs> it would be just a distraction to them because all they could see was like, ah, he's just not looking all that good. And so I was, I was really self-conscious. And because I was an intense dad, I pulled Kristen and Becca aside and I said, okay, we're going to get there early because I'm figuring, you know, from the neck up, everybody kind of looks the same in the water, right? So I thought if I could just get in the water you know, I'm good. And um, so I'm really intense with my girls. We're going to get there early, and I want you guys to go into the women's dressing room and take your cleansing shower, and I'll take my cleansing shower, and we'll be one of the first ones in the pool. And so I had it all planned out, and I was being really intense as a dad that I could be. And uh, what I didn't realize, so they went into the women's locker room, I went into the men's locker room, nobody around. So I'm like, this is golden. I've got this down. I, uh, apparently, my daughters were intercepted because when they start, started to put their swimsuits on, they were somebody in the women's dressing room says, no, no, everybody has to have a safety briefing first out on the bleachers. So the rest of the church and the rest of the kids ended up out on the bleachers fully clothed. I didn't know this. And I... I'm in there taking my cleansing shower, and I'm about to go jump in the pool. I'm the only one in a swimsuit, and you're not allowed to go into the pool until the safety briefing is done. And so I run out there, and there's a bleacher full of clothed people, and I am the only one in a swimsuit, and I can't get in the pool because I haven't had the safety briefing yet. And so I had to stand there in my swimsuit in front of everybody that I was <laughs> trying to avoid. And... Uh, it, let's just say, you know, I about passed out because I was trying to hold my breath and suck my gut in and do all those kind of things. 
And you might be wondering, well, what does this story have to do with anything? And it really doesn't, other than the two things. Number one, if you ever wondered if God has a sense of humor, he has a sense of humor. Because I can just see the Lord going, hey, watch. Watch, watch what I'm going to do here with this guy. And the other thing I want to point out is, you know, I was not the perfect dad, um, nor am I still not the perfect dad. I was intense. I was self-absorbed at times. Uh, I tried my best, but the guy who stands before you tonight is not the perfect dad. And I don't come other than to say, uh, when Michael said, would you, would you come up and, and share an exhortation and encouragement to the guys who are dads on Father's Day? I'm like, sure, um, but I'm not the perfect guy. There's only one perfect dad, let it be known. There's only one perfect dad, and that's God our Father. He's the perfect one. Um, I've always found it somewhat bewildering and just really confusing that one of the most important jobs in the world, fatherhood, parenting, motherhood, is given to the people, at least initially, with the least experience. I mean, there's just, <laughs> there's just no book uh, that can cover all that you need to know to be a a good dad, good mom. Um, it's given to the people with the least experience, and yet somehow or another we make it. And while, this, while the message today is directed toward fathers, I guess I really want to, the rest of you who aren't fathers, uh, you're not off the hook. You can't just, you know, do Instagram while I'm talking. Uh, you can't catch up on your text, uh, Greta. You can't do that, uh, just teasing. Um, because the principles that we're going to talk about really apply to all of us. But I am going to kind of tune it towards dads today. Uh, if you have your Bibles and or app, Bible apps, uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs was written by King Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Um, and he starts, he starts his, this particular proverb with these words. He said, Listen, my sons, to a father's instructions. Pay attention and gain understanding. So he's teeing it up. He's saying, listen, I'm about to say something really important. You know, uh, as a father to sons, I want to say something really important. And while time doesn't permit us to go through everything, you know, verses 2 through 9 really talk about you need to pursue wisdom at all else, above all else. Verses 10 to 13 talk about the benefits of wisdom. You can read through that. 14 through 19 talk about the perils of wickedness. And then the last, 20 through 27, really talk about specific instructions uh, to sons or to children. And because Michael only gave me one week to share, uh, which is about 20 or 30 minutes, uh, we're not going to be able to go through all 27 verses. But what I want to do is I want to look closely at the last three verses of this passage, starting with verse 25. It says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. And even though this, this passage is really an exhortation to sons from a father, um, we all know that biblical principles can't just be taught to be caught. They have to be modeled. 
True statement? I mean, is a nod, a head nod? Yeah. Yeah, okay, thank you. Uh, I mean, all biblical principles, if we want to teach them to someone else, have to be modeled in order to be followed. And uh, these, are, these principles are applicable not just fathers to sons, but to fathers if they're going to model them well. And that's where I want to focus. And I want you to note that the passage really does deal with kind of our eyes, our feet, and our heart. So let's look at the first one. First principle that I want to talk about tonight is, um, starts in verse 25. It says, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Um, and I guess the principle number one that I want you to remember is God's encouraging us to have a fixed focus, a fixed focus. Without a doubt, we face a lot of distractions. Think about it for a minute. Think about a, just a normal day in your life, and I think you would, you would agree that, man, keeping focused on the right things, keeping focused on the Lord keeping focused on my role as a dad, that's hard. There's a lot of things that compete for our attention. What, Dad's question to you is, what kind of things have a tendency to obstruct your view or to cause you to lose focus on the Lord? Think about it for just a minute. What kind of things in your life right now cause you to kind of lose focus? I'm going to name some, and I just want to see if any of them might ring true for you. Hobbies. Have you ever gotten into something so much that it kind of becomes all-consuming? Friendships, maybe with those who aren't pursuing the Lord like you know they ought. Sometimes we get involved with these relationships, even with other guys, that they're not taking you in the right direction. TV, movies, what we choose to read and take in. Social media, media, that's a, short, that's a tough one for me, just being consumed by what's in media and, and losing my focus on the, on the guy that I know that I should be in Christ. Job, career, it's not that these things aren't important. Ministry, for those of you who are in ministry in any capacity, um, it's easy sometimes that ministry even becomes a priority to us over the sake of feeding our own souls. We get so involved with the activities that we forget to feed our souls. So dad, again, the question to you is what consumes most of your time or your focus today? If you were to keep a ledger, how much time would you spend on keeping your focus fixed on the Lord? Um, back when I was, we were living in Bend, early married years, uh, Leanne and I had, had some friends, and one of the guys was, he was an Olympic biathlete. You know what that is? It's where they cross-country ski and they shoot guns. It's a great combination. And I, I, I would like to talk to the person who ever first thought that was a great idea, but uh, it's a pretty big thing. And this guy lived in Bend, good friend of ours, good brother in the Lord. He was an Olympic biathlete. And I'll never forget the day that he invited me to, he had set up this training course out, out in the, you know, some acres just outside of where he lived in this little subdivision. There was nothing out there at the time. 
And he had set up this little training course with these little targets. And he didn't use a 22. He used a little pellet gun, but it was weighted the same as his real gun. And he says, what we're going to do is we're going to run like a mile and a half through the sagebrush. And then we're going to stop and we're going to shoot these targets. I'm like, sure. No problem. Because remember, back then I was all that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we take off running through the sagebrush. And I'm doing all I can to try to keep up with him. And then we stop, and he says, okay, now lay down, you know, in the position and shoot the target. I was breathing so hard, I, I couldn't even see the target. And the, the gun was just, <gasps> and I'm, shoot, I'm literally shooting all over. I could not, I could not get that, that barrel of that gun to stop because I was just breathing so hard. And I think that's the way it is sometimes when we lose our focus with the Lord, we we get so consumed with all these other things that we end up becoming distracted, discouraged, anxious, exhausted. And then when we try to focus on the target, we, we wonder why we can't even see it clearly. We, we can't steady our gaze. So guys, first challenge is um, fixed focus. Here's some other scriptures that really kind of point to this that I want to encourage you with tonight. <clears throat> First one is 2 Chronicles 12, or 20, verse 12. Our God will not judge them, for we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. The children of Israel were faced with unbeatable odds in this particular battle. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. And then Psalm 25, verse 15 says, My eyes are ever on the Lord, for only He will release my feet from the snare. And then Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. One of my favorites, Psalm 57, 7, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. And then in Isaiah 6, 1, I saw the Lord high and lifted, uh, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. These are some examples in Scripture where people had fixated on the right thing. They'd fixated on the Lord. So again, questions to Dad. Practically, practically how can we improve our focus? If you're sitting here tonight going, yeah, I've been pretty distracted, haven't really been haven't really been focusing on the things that I need to focus on. And you know it. What are some things? Well, this is, this is not new news, God's Word. Prayer, worship, this, fellowship, and teaching. Guarding what comes in the eye gate. Being intentional about saying, no, I'm, there's certain things I'm just not going to take in anymore because it causes me to be distracted. Um, rest, diet. Exercise. There's countless examples in Scripture that talk about the need to take care of yourself even physically. And I've noticed in my own life that when I let that start to slide, other things spiritually start to slide as well. It just happens. So take care of yourself. Here's the second, uh, second verse and second principle. Give careful thought, this back to Proverbs 4, verse 26, and 27, give careful thought to the paths 
for your feet. Keep your foot from evil. And the second principle is firm footing. Fixed focus, firm footing. Do you see how clever I'm being here uh, on this message about faithful fathers? Fixed focus, firm footing. You're, you're getting that? I mean, I, you guys don't know how hard it is for me to be that clever. Uh, <laughs> have you ever been on a slippery slope spiritually or in reality? When I graduated from high school, I was already uh, enlisted, a delayed enlistment program to go in the military. And uh, I had the summer, I didn't go in until October, so I had the summer where I just needed to find something to do. And I worked at a, uh, at a mountain lake lodge called Elk Lake Lodge up behind Mount Bachelor in central Oregon. And it was a great summer. I lived in a log cabin. I felt like Jeremiah Johnson, if any of you know about that movie. Um, and lived right on the lake, you know, and it was just a great summer. And we had enough time off that whenever, you know, evenings would roll around, we'd shut things down, the little crew and I would figure out, what are we going to do? Where are we going to hike? Where are we going to swim? What are we going to do? And I remember one night, because I had climbed Mount Bachelor a lot during the day, and it was supposed to be a full moon, and I thought, you know what? Let's climb Bachelor tonight by moonlight. Wouldn't that be fun? And... Uh, because I've climbed it before in the daytime and it was summer and the you know, temperatures are in the 50s and 60s up there, the snow is really, really soft. You just kick in and it's just great. And then you, you slide down and it's, man, it's just a hoot. Well, only one person wanted to go with me and the person that wanted to go with me is a guy named Daryl. And Daryl was a stoner, if you know what that means. Um, yeah, uh, Kevin, see me after the service. Um, <laughs> Daryl was a stoner, but he was really a nice guy. And he said, yeah, I'd like to go with you. So it was just me and Daryl. And uh, so we actually didn't hike up on the snow. We just hiked up some rocks. And, you know, it took us a couple hours to get to the top and moonlight. And it's just, I mean, this is so cool. With a, now it's time to slide down the glacier. Well, my 18-year-old brain hadn't done all the, you know, the meteorological physics associated with snow fields at night. Because even though the temperature was like 45, 50 degrees out that night, when the sun goes off the glacier, it turns to ice. And we had to go down this first little pitch, and it was probably only 30 yards long, and... There was, no, there was no digging in. You know, we had our little ski poles we were trying to dig in. And it was, just, it was just a sheet of ice, and we just kind of piled into these rocks. But now we're in the middle of this glacier that's really steep, and it, there's, there's no, no rocks for the next, you know, 500 yards down this glacier. And it's like, and we can't go back up because it's so steep. And we're like, what are we going to do? It's just a slippery slope, literally. And... Long story short, we ha I had to like cut steps into the snow with these little ski poles to try to get over to this rock outcropping that's, you know, maybe 30 yards across the snow field. And literally, if, if one of us would have slipped as we were making that crossing, it, it would have, I don't even know what would happen, but it wouldn't have been good. And there we are in the middle of the night by moonlight, very intentionally carving steps into the snow and then trying to get our feet right in those steps. Firm feeding, firm feeding, firm footing. It's easy in life to lose our footing. Unhealthy habits, unconfessed sin, bitterness, laziness, 
stubbornness, the list goes on. So how can we improve our footing, spiritually speaking? Well, I'm going to share a few more verses with you that talk about that. Deuteronomy 5.33 says, Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Psalm 15.1 and 2, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from the heart. Psalm 89, 15, Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence. Ephesians 5, 2, And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then finally, 2 John Chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, dear lady, I'm not writing you a new command, but one we've had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another, and this is love, that we walk in obedience to his command. As you have heard from the beginning, his command is that you walk in obedience. Love. There's so many illustrations in Scripture that tell us how to walk with deliberateness, with intentionality, how to avoid the slippery slopes in life. And so, guys, the, re- the reality is we're all headed somewhere. I don't believe in God's economy that there's, that there's a neutral position. I really don't. I think we're either moving forward in our faith or we're moving backwards. That's the truth. We're either walking forward or walking back. And even though we deceive ourselves and say, well, I'm just kind of coasting for a while because it's been tough. I don't believe there's neutrality in the Christian life. Thoughtful, careful planning and deliberation is required if we're to avoid that slippery spiritual slope. So here's the question, dads. How's your path right now? Have your choices, your decision, your lifestyle led to a stable, straight, firm path, and is that being reflected in your family's life? Think about it for a minute. Do you see see your life being modeled in your children? And if not, it's time to kind of reassess your priorities. Final principle, verses back to Proverbs 4, verses 26, second half of 26 and 27, says, and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. And clever principle number three is fervent following. Fixed focus, firm footing, fervent following. It's interesting that word steadfast. Looked it up in the dictionary. It means fixed in direction. Steadily directed, firm in purpose, resolute, unwavering are some of the words. And then I look up synonyms to steadfast, and here's some that I thought were just interesting. Sure, dependable, reliable, constant, 
consistent, unwavering. Again, just let, let the reality of that word sink in for just a minute. If I go back to my friend who was the Olympic biathlete, one of the things that I was amazed with as we talked about his training and his, his trying to perfect his craft is, you know, he, we, we would talk at times at length and he would show me his, his gun and how he, he's, he's learned a new thing and he was so excited because rather than having his elbow out here, he, he found out that he could be more accurate if he moved his elbow right to there. So he, he used to be shooting like this, and now he's shooting like this, and he's more accurate. And then he talked to me about his breathing and just, just kind of the, the, the full-on dedication to, to fine-tune all these little things to get just, just to that next level of expertise in his craft. was just always fascinated me how he would change the angle of his elbow by an inch. And he'd be so excited about it because it would, it would yield results. And to me, there's just a great spiritual application there. Sometimes we get to a point in our life where we're going, yeah, I'm kind of good. You know, I'm kind of good. I'm doing all right. But are we really thinking about it deliberately, strategically? Uh, are we really um, serious about saying, God, what else do I need to do, change, be, to be all that you want me to be in you and be the dad that you want me to be in you. So here's some other verses about how to cultivate spiritual steadfastness or fervency in our lives. Job 17, 9. Nevertheless, the righteous will hold to their ways and those with clean hands will grow stronger. Hmm. Those with clean hands will grow stronger. 1 Timothy 4.15, Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Guys, if I were to pull your family members aside, your spouse aside and say, how's, how's Kevin's progress since last year? What would the answer be? I mean, if you all want to answer that right now out loud, you can. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's an interesting thought to say, you know, it's one thing for us to kind of assess ourselves. It's another thing to say, what if, what if I were to ask your family, is there progress? Are they making progress? And again, we're not talking perfection here. We're not. Please, please understand, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad, but is there progress? Hebrews 6.12, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. I like the, the idea of imitating someone else. Um, Dwight Moody is um, the one who is given credit for this, but as I did some research on this, this was actually by a British evangelist, a guy named Henry Varley, who Dwight M Moody use this phrase time and time again. He said, the world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully and wholly consecrated to him. Let me read that again. The world has yet to see what God can do with and for and through and in a man who is fully 
and wholly consecrated to him. And when Moody heard those words, he added on to it. He said, I intend to be that man. <laughs> I just love that. I love that sense of kind of, I'm all in. I am just all in. I intend to be that man. That's just too cool. So here's questions for, your, for dads. Right now, scale of 1 to 10. How would you rate your spiritual fervency? And your spiritual deliberateness? Just think about it for a minute. How would you rate it? Where are you on that continuum? With 1 being uh, not very good, 10 being I'm knocking it out of the park. How would others rate you? Be a similar number? Is your faith a testimony to others? Or is it, eh, yeah, I think he goes to church. What would you need to do to go to the next level? If you're at a five, what would it take to get to a six? If you had a two, what would it take to go to a three? Think about that. And what's one thing this week you could do, to, or one thing today you could do to move forward? Well, some real practical things are evaluate your spiritual habits. Talk about your faith openly to your family and friends. When's the last time you did that? Dream a big dream for God. Take a chance. Find or be a mentor. I don't think we do enough of that, men. I don't think we seek out other men to either mentor or to be mentored by. And then choose your friends wisely. I really believe that if we have the wrong set of friends, it can, it, it can cause a lot of compromise in these three areas. So, concluding. So, some practical tips for faithful fathers. Fix focus. Remember, look, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. And I guess I wanted to apply this really practically to our role as fathers and this is a little bit of a stretch. We've talked about the spiritual implications of having fixed focus, firm footing, and fervent following. But if we want to apply it practically to our families, how might that look? All right? Let your children and your wife know that you see them. Be intentional about that. Let your children and your wife know that you see them. In addition to fixing your focus on the Lord, which we need to do, to be the man that God wants us to be. See your kids and see your wife and let them know that you see them. Firm footing, remember it said, give careful thought to the paths for your feet, keep your foot from evil. Be spiritually deliberate in your personal life and in the life of your family. Spiritually deliberate. Remember when I talked about cutting you know, chunks of ice out so that you can make one step and then the next step on that frozen glacier so we wouldn't slide to our death. Be that intentional. Be that intense. And then finally, fervent following and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Be dependable and consistent and a model for your family to follow. And that takes on so many different forms. There's not one way to do this. There's a whole bunch of different ways to do this, but be dependable and consistent and be the kind of model that you want your, your kids to follow. Sound good? All right. Let me close with a word of prayer and then I'm going to do one more thing and then we'll be done. 
Father, this is, this is so important for all of us. Not just for dads, but for each one of us. God, we know there's so many things that distract us from having a, a fixed focus on you. We know there's many things in this life that we can step on that cause us to slip and to slide and to not stand firm and strong. There's so many things. And God, we know that our fervency for you, to follow you, really wanes. It kind of comes and goes. Sometimes we're all in and sometimes we're not. And yet, Lord, we know that you call us to these things because in, in doing these things and applying these principles, we'll find our best in you and we'll find our best for our families. So, God, we just ask for your help in the days ahead to do the self-assessment, do the, the heart-searching that is necessary for us to just take a step forward. Again, we're not talking about getting all this fixed and done overnight, just maybe one thing that we can do to move us in the right direction so that we might enjoy your best. Thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to do one more thing before we go to worship. If you're a dad, I know this is a little bit corny, but if you're a dad, would you at least stand up? If you're a dad. Grandfather, you'd have to be a dad to be grandfather. I think I've got that right. Guys, it's one of the most important jobs in the world. Actually, if you look at the stats about all the nonsense that's going on in our country right now, it's, it's the absence of strong fathers that is creating a lot, of our, our, a lot of our social ills in society today. I believe that. There's, there's study after study that proves that. The job you have is one of the hardest ones. Uh, and I, wanna, I wish I could tell you that when you become a grandfather, it doesn't necessarily get any easier. It gets different trying to figure out how to minister to your kids and how do, you, how do you minister to your grandkids. It's just, it's different, but it's just as important. But God's called you out. And uh, with that, I just want to pray specifically for you fathers tonight. And I want to bless you and encourage you. So would you bow, bow your heads with me? Father, thank you for these men. Thank you for this important role that you've called them to. God, I just ask for your hand of blessing and encouragement and protection on each one of these guys. God, I pray that you would strengthen them in their inner man. God, you'd help them to catch afresh the, the vital role that you've given them to be a dad, to be a grandfather. And Father, all of us fall short. We know that. By your grace, <laughs> uh, you redeem us and you redeem our efforts. And we're so thankful for that. And I just pray that for each one of us here tonight, that maybe there's just one thing that you've brought to the surface tonight through, through these last few moments as we've looked at your word, as we've looked at these principles. There's maybe just one thing that you've brought to mind that you know, I really need to step up to that and do that. Father, would you help us in the, in the weeks ahead to do that? We need your help. Again, thank you for these guys. Thank you for who they represent. We know that our kids form opinions about you based on what they see in their dads. It's a crazy thing, but they, that happens. So thank you for the role that you've given these guys. 
Thank you for their faithfulness to you in Jesus' name.